Today's um, message is about facing your giants. And we all know the story, probably the best well-known story in the Bible about David and Goliath. How a young man of 16, 17, 18 years old, about 5'7", took on the big guy with a couple of smooth stones, went after him with a rag and a rock, with his sling, it wasn't a slingshot, it was a rag and a rock. Let that thing go and it went right between his eyes and down he went. David proved that he knew how to get ahead. (laughs) Actually, he wrote a book. It was How to Get Ahead in Jerusalem. But anyway. David, though, is not the only one. As I look around the room, I know some of your stories that you've come against some amazing giants. And some of them have scared you to death. Some have knocked you down. Some of you have put you to your knees where you didn't think you'd ever get back up again. We all face those. And sometimes the really big ones have a name. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Most often, fear is what comes after us. Because we're afraid of being squashed. We're afraid of being knocked down. We're afraid that we'll never get back up. We're afraid that that's as good as it's going to get. And we're going to find out here in just a minute on the Randy Ford version of David and Goliath here in a minute that David relied on the power of God to conquer his giants. So many times, I don't know about you, but so many times I've gone against things and I've done it on my own power, my own strength for a while, and it just didn't work out. Then I finally remember, oh yeah, there's (laughs) there's a God? Really? You can help me with this thing? Yes, he can. So that's what we're going to do today. And uh, put on your seatbelts because uh, this is not going to be an Episcopalian message. So, (laughs) As you probably know. So we probably should start with prayer. So Lord, we thank you for today. What an awesome experience to be here. Lord, you are in this place. So Lord, just through your Holy Spirit, use the words that are going to be spoken to guide and direct, penetrate people's lives, hearts, and minds and turn all the focus back on you and on Jesus, and then uh, we'll give you all the praise for that. Because you're so good, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, David and Goliath, why not Dave and the Big Pickle? Well, Dave wasn't exactly sure what he was getting into, but he knew God would be there with him. So he went down to a stream and found five smooth stones. Then he went back to the camp and waited for Goliath. Who will fight me? (laughs) I will fight you, Goliath! You know, if I didn't know better, I'd say that sounded like Dave. Oh, yeah! You know, if I didn't know better, I'd say that looks like Dave. Huh? Dave? Goliath was equally surprised. Who said that? I did! Uh Oh, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? you mean, but you are not a dog. You are a really big guy that wants to beat me up. And I come at you not with sticks, but in the name 
disbelief others were okay if you got your bibles turn to first samuel 17 and we're going to go through some things that you may not have seen before or may not have known before starting with verse 1 through 7 now the philistines gathered the forces for war and assembled at soko in judah they pitched the camp in ephes Daman between Soko and Ezekiah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines were on one hill and the Israelites were on the other hill and there was a valley in between. A champion named Goliath from Goth came out to the Philistine camp. He was six cubits high. He had a bronze helmet and a head and his head was wore a coat of, wait a second, he had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor uh, of bronze that weighed 5,000 shekels, which is 126 pounds. And his legs were, were a bronze greaves and a bronze javelin. And his spear shaft was like a weaver's rod. And the point weighed 600 shekels. And his shield bearer went ahead of him. So here's a guy that's nine foot nine, which is that red tape is how far 9 foot 9 is with 126 pounds of things. He was massive. Jack O'Neill is 7'4", I think, and 320 pounds. 
So anyway, on the Internet, I went to see if there was any baseball cards or warrior cards of Goliath on the Internet. And uh, trust me, when I looked for that, I actually found an early edition of a sports card for Goliath. Uh, it's probably worth millions of dollars. Um, and uh, this is not true. I'm just making it all up. But here is the, here is a sports card for Goliath. <laughs> Goliath, Philistine warrior. Um, it probably looks a lot like The Rock, the wrestling star. Dwayne Johnson. But this is after Goliath cleaned up and he looked like that. Now, on the other side of the card is his stats. So here are the stats for Goliath. Nine foot nine, 400 pounds, born in goth, shoe size 25, body fat 5%. Career with the Giants, 17 years. Early career was primarily pillaging and murdering. Weight of his coat was 125 pounds. That's true. His sword weighed 25 pounds. The head of his spear weighed 16 pounds. Career murder average, 62.5%. And his favorite breakfast, quiche with mint herbal tea. It's true. No, it's not true. Big man. Big man. David's about 5'6". Seventeen uh, verses eight through eleven. Then it said, Goliath stood and shouted at the ranks of the Israel, "Why do you come out and line up for battle? I am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man to have him come down." So this is not Braveheart. It's not where we got armies on this side and armies on this side. We just got one guy that comes out and says, "I challenge you guys, and I challenge you. Bring out a guy. We'll get it on. If I kill him, you belong to me." And if, I, if he kills me, then all of us belong to you. It wasn't Braveheart. This day, though, what he did, though, is he said, I defy the armies of Israel. What he's saying, I'm up, I, don't, I don't believe in your God, I don't believe in your people, and I don't believe in your army. And I'm coming against you and your God because they mean nothing. I imagine that some of you have had some amazing giants come up in your life. Health situations, finances, fear, depression, cancer, name it. And we can do just like the Israelites. And that was to hide behind rocks and trees and put on the fear factor and run away because the thing looked too big. And we go after it time after time, but then we, we back off because it, this is too big. Unless we bring God along. So, how many times did, did Goliath come up against, what would you think, how many times did Goliath come up against the, uh, the, the children of Israel? One time? Look at verse 16. Forty days, the Philistine came forward every morning, every night, and took his stand and defied the people of Israel, defied God, stood in their face, and King Saul and all the men of Israel 
fled, hid, and trembled for a month and a half. We're not too much different. I don't know about you, but when stuff really comes, it's easy to go into the fear mode, in the flea mode. It's hard to stand up to something that's that tall, that wants to kill you, that wants to take the glory out of your life, that wants to take God out of your life. It takes some real determination. It takes fortitude. It takes perseverance. It takes commitment. The most important thing, it takes a strong faith in God that God is with me. Who can be against me? Forty days, that's a long time. In verses 17 through 18... It says, now Jesse, who is David's father, he said, take this ephah, a roasted grain, and ephah is about a half a bushel of grain, and these ten loaves of bread to your brothers, and hurry to the camp. Also, take these ten cheeses to the commander of the unit, and bring back word of how your brothers are doing. Most people don't realize, this is just a little side note, this is the first mention of a, all, a, a cheese-only pizza in the Bible. It's, it's not really well known, but it, it, there is the grain, there is the cheese, and the first time a pizza is mentioned in the Bible. In fact, his father, uh, the first pizza store, was Father Jesse's Pizza, and it had free battlefield delivery. <laughs> All right. Somebody pray for me. I already have. I'm all right. I never saw that before in there. Okay, 32 to 37. David said to Saul, "Let David say this. Let no one lose heart. No, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. You, you, me, David will go and fight him." Saul, who's the king, said, "You are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. He's been a warrior forever." But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When the lion and the bear came and carried off the sheep with the flock, I went after him, struck at him, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, and I struck and I killed the thing. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine, which means unbeliever, completely against God, will be like one of them because, what's the next line? He's defied the armies of the living God. Not that he's a bad person or he's got in your way. He's defied the living God in your life. The Lord will rescue me from the paw, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. He will rescue you. He has. If you think back, there's somewhere in your life that the doctor said you're not going to make it. There's, some, there's some, somewhere in your life that you almost had a car accident and you should not be here. There's a, there's a doctor's report that said you're not supposed to be here. I'm one of those guys. Anybody else? The doctor said you're not supposed to be here and you are? Look at the hands go up. Look at the hands go up. And they had to have the faith and the commitment and, the, and having God right in you and beside you, in front of you, going to the battle and doing that. Somebody say Amen. <laughs> somewhere in your past there's a past victory where God brought you through the impossible nothing is impossible with God right 
Nothing's impossible. But when we stand believing, knowing, and look at the past, look at the past victories, and you go, man, if you got me through that, what are you going to get? You can get me through this if we go, through, if we go do this together. Right? We got to do it together. So then the next uh, little thing is Saul said, okay, you want to do it? Here you go. He said, come here. And Saul, was, they said, was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was seven feet tall himself. You know, why didn't King Saul go out against Goliath? You know, nine, nine against seven feet, that would have been a pretty good fight. But Saul was hiding with, behind his men. So Saul dresses David in his tunic and puts a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet. And David fastens his sword over his tunic and tries walking, but he could not, do, but he could not go in these. Um, and David said, I haven't tested this yet. I don't, I, I, he's got this helmet on and, and he's, he's got this, all this armor on. He said, I haven't tested this. He says, but I do know what this staff is all about. I know what this rock and, a, rock and a rag is all about, this sling is all about. I can do this. Are you back there? Oh, <laughs> it's, my, it's my bad. I missed the cue. Anyway, while we, uh, Ray's coming out, I wonder if I could have Dan and... Um, Jeremy and Scott, just stand here and face the crowd. That's Jeremy. That's whatever. So this is uh, Saul. He put his helmet on David, and he put his armor on and everything else. So this is what the, the helmet probably looked like on David. <laughs> or, maybe better yet, Oh, that almost goes. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> Don't break your nose. Okay, Scott. <laughs> All right. All right, give him a hand. Oh, wait, someone's taking a picture. <laughs> All right, thanks, man. Okay. <laughs> Hi, y'all. <laughs> yeah. I need. Don't you hear it when your phone talks to you? This is not going. Okay, I need all the men to stand up. If you're male, please stand up. If you play a musical instrument, stand up. If you don't play a musical instrument, sit down. If you're 19 and above, please sit down. If you're under, if you're under 17, please sit down. If you're 18, oh, if you're 18 and you play um, play a guitar, please stand up. If you've ever been a lifeguard, if you've ever been a lifeguard, please stand up. Uh, would you welcome David? Just a coincidence. Okay, here's the tunic. 
Put this on. See how that fits you there, Davy. <laughs> All right. You gotta put you gotta put on your armor. There you go. That's comfy. Yeah, that's comfy. Uh need a need a spear. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. And you need your helmet. <laughs> and go get go get your Goliath. You give him a big hand. <laughs> now you, you can go out there and somebody will help you, I hope. Sure don't want the Seventh day Adventists calling me and say, How come the windows are broken in the sanctuary doors? The thing behind that is David couldn't figure out, he couldn't do that. And that's with us. We can't fight the battle that's in front of us based on your parents or your neighbors or your friends. You've got to go with what God's given you. And if he's given you a stick and he's only given you a sling, then that's what you go after it with, with God in your heart. When I look around this room... I know some of your stories. There's a bunch of folks in this room that have already been in the hospital this year with some serious stuff. But you're here. You're here, praise God. And there's some of you that had, that had the report from the doctor. It's not going to make it. Verse 43 and 44, finally, David comes out and he's got his stick and he's got his sling. And he says to David, Am I a dog? You come at me with a stick? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, little guy. I'll give your flesh to the animals and the birds. Have you ever got to the point where you just go, That's... A you know, I fought this thing so many times, there's just no way I'm getting out of this. This is as good as it gets. This apparently is where God wants me is to be in poverty or to be sick or to have no money, have no job. You ever hear God saying that? No. We say that. We let the devil say it to us. But God never says that. God never says that. I'd like to invite uh, Sandy Gascoigne to come up. Known Sandy for about five or six years. Welcome her. Thank you. Thank you. Say hello to the nice people. Hello, all you nice people. Beautiful, beautiful people. Yeah, the ones that are bright colored are the poisonous ones. So stay away from them. <laughs> <laughs> I met uh, Sandy and John and... And Frankie, about six years ago, down at Puyallup Foursquare. And um, at that time, I just remember, what was going on in your, in your life at that time, health-wise? Um, in January of 2008, uh, I've always had this little uh, mole in my eye. It burst, and I just thought it would go away. Well, it didn't. 
Um, and I ended up at the eye surgeon, and the pathology report came back after it was operated out of my eye. And it came back from the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology in Washington, D.C., because nobody in Seattle could figure it out, um, that it was a conjunctival malignant melanoma, which is directly connected to the brain and uh, lungs, lymph nodes, I mean, the whole system. Right. You remember when we first met or how we met? Yes. Yes. And I, I had gone up to Randy um, at church, and I was just compelled to pick him. And uh, Because I'm so good looking? Yeah, well, yeah, of course, one of those things. My money? Absolutely. <laughs> My sex appeal? Absolutely. And <laughs> probably probably not. No, By I'm the sad. way, this is my perverted uncle. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the secret's out. Yeah, it is now. Some of them knew, but now they all know. So, so, so anyway, tell anyway so I asked him. Uh, Dan's leaving the building. Yeah. <laughs> so I asked him, uh, Randy, you know, I have this bad news in my eye from my eye surgeon, and it's a, a rather severe uh, malignant melanoma. Um, I know that God has great plans for me, but could you just cover me with prayer? And so he did. Several times. Several times. Yeah. Several times. So jump ahead. Uh, Dan and I are up here at Life Spring, and about a year and a half ago, I think, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, John and Sandy and Frank, Frankie, excuse me, jump out of the car, and I was surprised as all get out, here they come. But how had your health changed in those two or three years? What was going on at that time? Well, every month after uh, the, it, it uh, appeared in my eye, um, they, the cells keep growing back. And so every month I had to go into my eye surgeon, and he would do the examination. And every month I had to have a freezing treatment, a cryo treatment, where they would uh, freeze my eye with a minus 85-degree probe, which was... Uh, it wasn't fun, <laughs> or I would end up down in the OR in Bellevue, uh, them taking out these little ruptured tumors. Um, but they hadn't thought that it had reached anywhere else. They thought that it was contained to my eye only. So what did they find a little bit later? Because I know this well, church is praying. Yes. Uh, all kinds of churches are praying. People were praying. Yes, and many. And suddenly it turned. So what did it? What did? What was the turn? Well, um, in the meantime, my brother was going through lymphoma cancer and then he passed last uh, July or March 15th of 11. So I go in to my April appointment uh, to my eye surgeon about two weeks later and this has been going on for three years and um, I'm getting pretty darn tired of it and because uh, it just didn't get better. The treatments were more and more painful. Your eye does not get used to it. You know, it's like all the nerve endings right there. And so my doctor finally said, Sandy, we need to find out why it keeps coming back. We just can't keep doing this. And I'm saying hallelujah. And uh, so he sent me to the University of Washington to a melanoma eye specialist. And he hadn't even seen me yet. He read through my files, called me at work, and said, Sandy, can you come in? I'm going to skip my lunch. I'm ask your husband to, to come with, and we're going to uh, go over what we have planned or begin the process because I believe it's in your body already because otherwise it wouldn't metastasize, uh, keep met uh, showing up in your eye. So fast forward so, a little bit. What so happened? fast forward. Um, 
I went to the melan or the melanoma oncologist at Fred Hutch that he sent me to, and, and um, the scans of my body and brain came out that there were lesions in both of my lungs, uh, lymph nodes, and my brain. Um, the swelling had consumed right the almost the whole right side of my brain, six inches of swelling. And then the main characteristic of melanoma is that uh, the lesions hemorrhage and then they spew all over the place. And so uh, I had the lesions taken out of my lungs and um, they had told me, do you want me to tell, <laughs> do you want me to tell you the prognosis now? Yeah. yeah. So the prognosis, and this is medically speaking, fortunately I had very gracious, gracious oncologists who I believe were all Christians. I know that uh, two of them were, um, but they said medically speaking, um, we always leave room for miracles, but um, you, your demise could begin as soon as November 11, of 2011. And um, and the facts, the medical facts are that you will never be rid of this tumor here, and melanoma is not a slow-growing cancer. It is a beast. It's really it's the hardest cancer to treat, especially once it's in the um, the brain. What in stage do they? Late stage four. So late stage four, I was I was looking at two weeks after, basically a month after my brother died, um, they told me that and my husband that uh, yet another one, another sibling, you know, me would die. You know, one thing is losing a parent. I think a whole other thing to grab onto. Time, they, they gave me uh, if the treatment worked, they gave me about a year. <laughs> If the treatment worked, and that was because it was never meant to heal me. So all this time people are praying, you're going through all this stuff, all yeah. the pain, all the stuff, going facing your giant. Right. How were you facing the giant? Well, um, in those lonely times when you're by yourself. How yeah. Were you facing the giant? Yeah, I, I, I actually uh, cherish those times when I think back, um, you know, because I, I've been a Christian for a long while, and I, um, I know that you know psalm 91 he will never let deadly disease harm me and my life verse is jeremiah 29:11 for i know the plans i have for you declares the lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you but to give you hope in a future and so when i was sitting there actually with the melanoma oncologist i said do you mind if i just don't receive that he said you know please don't <laughs> I, <laughs> please please <laughs> i mean i have all the respect in the world for you but you know i know my god is greater <laughs> and um so you know it it uh it, it's god's opportunity you know our extremity is god's opportunity i mean that is the bottom line you know in all things yeah. that uh you know, when we know who we are in Christ, when we understand who he is in our lives, when we know his word and we know what the Bible says, not what the medical doctors say or these brilliant people who have been put there to help us, um, we are not really under their authority. They help, you know, they want to help us. But I think that, you know, we need to keep in mind truly who the good doctor is. So. so, cancer, prayer. Stand on Jeremiah 29, 11, mm -hmm. stage four, six months to a year to live. Mm -hmm. You went to the doctor two, three weeks ago, and what did they tell you? Um, well, the 
first of all, I'm going to go back just uh, like six months or so when I was having my stereotactic radiation. <laughs> okay. This is important, We've got to beat the Baptists to the restaurant, so we've got to hurry up. So they were already saying the radiation oncologist who was in charge of the brain area was saying to me that already the lesion here was shrinking extensively. I mean, just more than he could have ever hoped uh, realistically. And then so I went back to this last, you know, I've been having scans and that and MRIs and that. And uh, I went back to the melanoma oncologist and he came in and he said, wow, Sandy, with tears in his eyes, he said, you know, this year, that a year ago I was telling you that you had uh, a short time. You wouldn't be here sitting in this chair. Uh, not alive anyway, you know, by this time next year. Not taking but, oxygen. No. But uh, that he said, we went over this again and again, and there is nothing. You are clear. Your brain is clear in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Got it so good, huh? I got one more, a quick one. I feel like Phil Donahue, years gone by. Y'all know KC? Oh, no. Stand up, brother. I'm going to embarrass you. Three weeks ago, this brother had a heart attack. They yep. put three stents into him and told him that he was going to have to recover. And I know that's feeling, four, four to six weeks. Yeah, four to six weeks, no work. Can't lift more than five or ten pounds. You went to the doctor yesterday. What Good to say? go. Go back to work. Doctor said, no damage. No heart damage. Couldn't find any heart damage. Did he tell you to go back to work? Yep, Monday. Going yeah. back to work. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that good? God is so good. God is so good. And if we went around the room, there'd be a story like that coming out of each one of you, I'm sure. So, Goliath comes against, says all this stuff, I'm going to cut you up and eat your flesh, and boom. David says, oh yeah, big guy, and here's what we have got to do to the giants that come in in our life. And listen to what David said in verses 45 to 47. You, big guy, come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head. This very day the carcasses of the Philistine army, who is all behind you, will be given to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know today that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by the sword or the spear that the Lord works or saves. The battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. We have no problem going to a Mariners game, Dan Birch and Jason Dre. We have no problem going to a motorcycle rally, the maze. We have no problem watching NASCAR and going crazy, jumping out of our seats and throwing food and popcorn every which way because somebody beat somebody by seven hundredths of a second in the Olympics. But to get beat down and, and have these giants come against us and to take it and to live in fear 
That's not what God wants. He wants to say, boom! You come against me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty. The God of the army of Israel who you have defied. The Lord Almighty will give you into my hands and I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. <sighs> Amen. <laughs> and all those gathered here will know that it's not by the sword, it's not by the spear that the Lord saves. It's, the battle is the Lord's. We've got to hook up with the Lord. We've got to go after it. We've got to be determined. We've got to be committed. We've got to be strong. We've got to believe with everything we have that that thing is going to turn and it's not going to be the way forever staying in that spot. First Corinthians says it this way. For we walk, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, things in our mind, things in our heart, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Whew. There's popular names, top popular names for boys. There's always a list and for girls. And I saw one for dogs. <laughs> the most popular name for female dogs almost on every breed is Bella. We thought we were so creative with our golden retriever, Bella. Every female dog, top name is Bella. The top name for boys are all, amazingly, Bible names. Matthew, Mark, James, Daniel, those kind of names. For years, that has been the top names for guys. Here are the top names, the most popular names of giants that are probably either attacking you right now or attacked you in the past. Anger, depression, loneliness, broken relationship. Health issues, no job, trying to pay the mortgage or the rent, serious disease, addictions to alcohol and drugs, anxiety, unforgiveness, pornography, grief, bitterness, lost hope, finances, no money, past failures that are hanging you up and you can't get free of. And the three big ones, stress, worry, and fear. And I told you before, fear is, the acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. You get that? Fear is what we think in our mind, false evidence appearing real. But guess what? It's not real. Not when Jesus is on the throne. I hope this has helped. I hope this has helped. There's a strength and a passion and a commitment being a Christian. There is a good part of being a Christian, but there's a battle. Every time you turn around, you go, oh, Really? One of those guys, and no, I looked at this list, I made up the list. I've struggled and battled with every single one of those things on that list at one time in my life. I don't know about you, that's a big list. Every single one of those. A couple of them I'm not really proud of. What I'm really thankful for, I've been a Christian most of my life. I was born in the pew. So I knew how I didn't have to go too far remember where I was hooked up to, that the Lord was with me. Some of you didn't have that opportunity. It's been knowing the Lord is something new. But all of those, all of those, boom, crush it. You know, T.D. Jake said, 
you know, a giant is just standing in the doorway of your next opportunity to go to a new level with God. So if we let these things get in the way, we're being handcuffed, we're being hobbled by that thing that keeps us from going to the next level with God. And God wants so much for us. There's so much more for us to do, regardless of your age, whether you're 18 or 88, whatever the age is. God, if you're still here and you're still taking in nourishment and, and, and the breathing air, God is not done with you yet. And if any of that is going on in your life, he doesn't want that on you. That is not his plan to be on you. On the little piece of paper there, it says what to do. My points were what to do when facing your giants. And they're on the back of that sheet. And I'm not going to read them all. You can read them. I'll just read the, the, the last three. Always pray for God's strength and power over the giants in your life. Maybe I will read them. Recognize and admit there is a giant in your life. Sometimes you've got to say, you know, that thing is there. Believe and know and trust God that the battle is the Lord's. Always pray for God's strength and power over your giant. You've got to be in prayer. You've got to be asking God, come on, Lord, I'm tired of being in this situation. I'm tired of having this in my life. Only you can make the difference. Saddle up, let's ride hard and see how long the pony lasts. Run towards your giant. David ran toward his giant with his, his slingshot, his sling, and his staff. He ran to him and talked about, you come at me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, I come at you in the name of the Lord Almighty. And you run toward the giant, and there's no reverse in this thing. There might be a coast in your life. There's forward, that's faith. There's middle, that's okay, I'm taking a rest. And fear is reverse. There's no reverse. There's no back down. And then the, my best encouragement Hang in there. Don't give up. God's not giving up on you. Why should you give up on him? And finally, kill your giant. Go after it. You don't want a part of your life anyway. Do you? Kill your giant. Celebrate the victory. And then do a happy dance with God. It's okay to do a happy dance with God. High five God and say, God, you are so good. Sandy, Casey, all the rest of you, God is so good. Look where I was. Look where I am. Look where I'm going. <laughs> Can I get a good amen? <laughs> uh, I'm just letting it all go. Hope you don't get wet. Feel like, feel like Gallagher of the Christian world. Okay. As Christians, we are also children of God. None of us are perfect. We make mistakes every day. However, when we put our faith in God, He will conquer all our giants. There is nothing too hard for God. When we trust in God, we will find our strength through him. David conquered the Goliath with all the power of God behind him. Today, we need to accept the power of God in us to conquer all the giants that wreak havoc in our lives. And the good thing, the good news, we can do anything through Christ, through God, who strengthens me.